Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. What's going down? everybody welcome to a brand new episode of what's going down wherever you get your podcasts my name is kenny mcintosh joined as always by mr finley martin finn i mean nothing's happened yet since we spoke on thursday that would that would have necessitated us amending any information just yet no, no. Well, I mean, I just feel like nothing's going to happen now for a while. I did say that on Thursday. There's been these rumblings that, you know, there's been VIM sightings and, you know, like freaking UFO sightings. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, there's maybe going to be a little bit of a drip drip of information. And I mean, there's only one, there's only really one thing that is of interest that actually came out today that I thought I would just read out. So this was a new filing to the Securities and Exchange Commission says no further approval of the stockholders of the company is required to approve any of the actions taken by Mr. McMahon pursuant to the January 16th consent. Um, which uh, it goes on to say what he did and it said, in light of the foregoing on January 16th, 2023, Mr. McMahon in his capacity as controlling shareholder of the company executed and delivered a written consent taking certain actions by consent without a meeting in accordance with a certain section of whatever um which means that no further so basically he now can do kind of whatever, whatever he wants whatever he wants and he's put it 
he's filed it to, to do whatever he wants so that he can do whatever he wants to do. So I mean, look, it, 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 I'm sure it is only a matter of when he is back running the show. But yeah, I mean, sale wise, probably here for a while. But I mean, I would be amazed if we get to WrestleMania and he's not back. You know, in some form. I mean, maybe you'll be there next week. It's Raw 30 next Monday, isn't it? Yeah, Raw Triple X. Reminded so... me of the uh, the Brian Pillman Triple X files from uh, <laughs> 1987. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, mean poss- I, I don't think, you know, in all seriousness, I don't think he'll be on Raw next week. I think it, that would be too soon. It would not surprise me if he were to make an appearance of some kind at WrestleMania. Um, yeah, I think by then you'll probably be able to get away with it. Um, you know, that's assuming you know your theory has not come to fruition by then, and that he's not back. You know, running the whole damn show, which is possible. I mean, everyone seems to think that that's the end game here. That's the the outcome of all this is that Vince is back. You know, in charge. Um, but yeah, the, the the filing there with the SEC, it's like, so that means that he can make any decision without consultation. Now, as we saw with that litigation that was filed last week, I mean, that could be problematic. And you've got to remember, and we're not going to spend a long time on this today because we talked about this at length last week, mm. um, is that Vince will want to do what is right for business to some extent. So he's going to want to get these media rights all signed, sealed and ready to go with an increase in rights fees because shareholders will be very pleased about that if that is what occurs, which is obviously what they're seeking. So he's not going to do anything to jeopardize that. That is, to me, number one right now. He's getting a good deal on the media rights. Now, once that deal is struck... At that point, then things might change. But as I said last week, Kenny, we discussed this in some some depth, if I remember correctly. Did, yep. It's all a bit of a fog because we went through it back and forth and forward and backwards and so many every which way. Well, it's been two. It's been two and a half weeks because we we initially talked about the whole thing that he was going to come back. Then he did yeah. come back. Then Stephanie was gone. Then uh, you know it feels like it's just been a constant loop of more stuff that, uh, you know, we have to talk about. Yeah, but I mean, I think just to reiterate something we said last week, this media rights, that's the big one. That's This is going to be the biggest deal the company has ever done. And as we said last week, if, you know, whoever the company signs the, you'll know that'll be a five-year deal, um, whoever, sign, whoever the company signs the deal with, they're going to want assurances of who they're going to be doing business with in future. I'm sure they will because there's a hell of a lot of money is going to be changing hands and they want to go into this day into this deal um knowing who they're going to be doing business with. Yeah. I mean, so I think I think it's premature to think that anything's gonna happen anytime, certainly not before WrestleMania. And I think really be the summer before anything big happens, and that's assuming it happens at all. Well, I mean, I'll just I'll say this before we move on to talk about the, the actual wrestling that's going on. But I spoke to Jim Cornette yesterday um, about some stuff. So I recorded a couple of bits and pieces with him for YouTube, talking about Vince McMahon. And he made a really good point that I hadn't really thought of yet about all of this stuff. 
And it's that if NBC Universal were to buy WWE, as an example, right? And they pay, let's say, $100 million for rights fees at the moment. And they go, well, we can buy, we can, or say they, say they go, you know, we're going to pay uh, a billion for rights fees. So why don't we just buy it for $5 billion and then we own it, right? Like, that's the idea. Yeah. But then the thing is, then nobody's giving you money for the rights fees anymore because you've got it. So where are you going to get the money to come in to make that purchase worthwhile? Because if you're NBC Universal, you're basically buying it and you've got it, but you're not really able to shop it anywhere to get money for it. Quite right. Yeah, he's so, absolutely right about that. You know, so that's, that's and I never really thought of that that minutia element of it, and I think that's really interesting to think about. Um, and you, I, that could stand for anybody who buys it, who is a media company who wants to put it on their own platform. How well, are they it. Yeah, I mean, what value for money would they be getting out of it long term? Um, but you know, that's probably why you know I'm sure that's why they're 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 sort of trying to sell now because obviously. By the time 2024 comes around, maybe they're not getting those big deals anymore. Um, you know, that's the word on the street is that maybe that stuff's going to start plateauing. So you want to get it while it's got its highest value. So anyway, we'll be also, here over the next few months. Also, did we also talk also is that if a major conglomerate buys it, they may be under pressure to make the wrestlers employees. Did we talk about this? We've not. No, but it's also a good point. And so if you go from working for WWE to working for NBC Universal and you're currently an independent contractor, maybe if you become part of the NBC Universal family, you become an employee. How much more money is that going to cost the owner of WWE if all the wrestlers become employees and there's all this additional you know taxes they've got to pay they've got to provide health insurance they've got to pay all their road expenses you know and on and on and on and on and on mm -hmm. so that's another thing to consider is that you know if you were a large company and that's why i mentioned last week about the due diligence company will need to know what it's buying and what its responsibilities are as the new owner of this organization and if you're a major corporation, it doesn't look great if you're not treating the wrestlers like your other employees. That may not be a thing, but it's something to consider. And that is a, adds a, lot, adds a lot of money that's going to cost to give all those people benefits. Precisely. Precisely. Um, um, wait a minute. Let's, let's then, move on. Sorry, Kenny. Just one last thing there before we move on. And then you look at the knock-on effect in pro wrestling. Because if WWE wrestlers are classed as employees, what will happen in AEW? They will be under pressure to offer their talent employee status as well, which will change things there. And this has all got to be affordable. You could say, well, the cans can afford it. Of course they can. You know, they've got incredibly rich. But would the business still be viable if everyone in AEW suddenly became an employee was entitled to all those benefits. And you might say, well, they deserve those benefits. And I agree. Yeah, they do. But it's got to be economically viable. And if it isn't, then the business business doesn't exist. It, it doesn't function. It doesn't work. 
Well, we will be here to cover whatever happens, Finn. But I did want to ask you, before we move into kind of SmackDown a little bit about Raw, one of the big... Um, there was two big things on Dynamite last night. One that was was a, a good thing for the company that they were being praised for, and the other they, they were not being praised for. So we'll start with the one they were praised for. So obviously, the Hangman Page and John Moxley rematch that they had had been built based on Page's legit injury in the last match. And yeah. Page actually pinned Moxley clean yes. last week, which was, I think it's only the second or third time in the history of AEW that Moxley has taken a clean loss. So it's a pretty big win for Paige, right? Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but he needed the win. He couldn't lose again. Otherwise, no. he would have been, you know, relegated to dark. I mean, he, he had to win that match, didn't he? So I was not surprised by the outcome. Um, maybe the cleanliness of it um it did mm-hmm. seem you know it, it was a, you know, a, a convincing victory there's no doubt about that it really seemed like there was a massive amount of support at the end for the match maybe because it opened the show though i'm like saying that the show opening match usually does draw a huge response um you know maybe, maybe... there's two two in, in the crowd's eyes baby faces so they're torn about who to root for Possibly, possibly. Or maybe they just peaked early on this. I mean, to me, I think they should have had the match a few weeks ago. I think the whole, is he going to be cleared for action when he was out there scrapping with Moxley week after week? I mean, the story was just simply not believable. So I feel like they should have had the match a few weeks ago. Um, But yeah, Page won. Good for him. Um, I mean, that puts him in... I mean, you would think that this will spell the end of the feud because it just feels like it's been going on and on and on. And... Yeah, I mean, you could you could definitely heat Page up for a post-revolution thing with MJF. Yeah. If you put him in something else now that kind of takes him through to revolution, give him another big win over somebody, um, whoever that would be, um, that would probably be a good way to go. So, yeah, good, good for Page and, uh, you know, nice to see that. The other thing, though, on the show... Um, it was also a really good match with Danielson and Takashita. Takesh- I always pronounce his name wrong. Takashita, I think it was. Anyway, they had a really good match. But um, the the big thing that was kind of for some people was just they were they weren't able to to let it go. Some people don't really understand the furore over it. Jamie Hayter and Britt Baker against Saray and Tony Storm. Tony Storm was booed mercifully by the crowd in LA. Mercilessly. 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 Um and they but they wanted Mercedes Monet. That's who they yes. wanted. And um I guess you know the line that people keep talking about is that is that the week before Britt Baker had said on TV, you know, the boss line. She yeah. said that. I mean, do you think did AEW lead people up the garden path here, or do you think people just kind of expected it and then you know worked themselves in, into a shoot? Like where where does the disappointment lie, do you think? You know, they work themselves into a, a state of extreme disappointment. I think um, I think everyone was to blame on that. I think fans um, just sort of imagined and thought to themselves, well, if we wish hard enough that this <laughs> thing is going to happen, then it will. Um, but, w, but AEW also encouraged them to do that with the little segment that you mentioned with the reference to the boss and the little wink to the camera um, and AEW not really going far enough, I think, to dispel the myth 
that she wasn't going to be there. I mean, they allowed people, they allowed people's imaginations to run wild. And when, especially in the modern era on social media, that's what social media exists for, mostly for grievance and bile and victimhood. But the other thing as well is for just stirring things up and just getting people, you know, retweeting and echo chamber stuff. And, um, you know, people just starting rumours and and people who want something to happen can then jump on the bandwagon. And if enough of them board that bandwagon and there's a clamour for it, there's this sort of belief that it might come true. Oh, Tony, you know, he's going to be watching, you know, he's going to be reading. He'll make our wishes come true and bring Mercedes Monet in for the match. So I think it was a combination of fans, just, you know, wishful thinking on the part of the fans, but also AW encouraging um, or standing idly by and allowing, you know, this, you know, fantasy to, um, you know, develop and to balloon. So to me, they should have just come in earlier. And, you know, Tony Storm, I mean, it was a really bad night for her. And... You know, I think it did... really shows. It shows that, like, if you know, if, if you're AEW and say, you know, let's let's say that they, they, they are acting in good faith, right? That they they weren't they weren't going to have Mercedes Monet and they wanted Tony Storm to be the featured partner. Yeah, I think it just shows that Tony Storm is not anywhere near the level of where either they think she is or they want to position her as, because you're not getting booed like that. If because it's not like AEW went so far with the Mercedes thing where they were you know, really teasing it to a huge degree. No. With Tony Storm, it's like, I think the crowd just aren't that interested in her. So no. this kind of was the opportunity for, uh, you know, them to sort of maybe take out some feelings they have about her boring personality on screen. You know, I mean, she does resemble a lamppost in terms of her delivery. <laughs> so... Yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, she's just really yeah. mediocre in the ring. She never never gets any better. And there was always this thing about her dating back years that she was much better than she was. And I would read all these things before I saw how much of her and people, oh, she's tremendous. And you watch and think, well, no, I just, I don't agree with that. Um, that judgment or that opinion or that review of her. She seems really average in every way. And um, and she is unfortunately, and um, but I mean, I thought they threw her under, threw her under the bus. AEW, they allowed that rumor to catch fire and to just run away, and for people to allow themselves to believe that Mercedes Monet would be there. And to me, if I was in AEW, I would have been doing everything I could to stand that one out. I mean, you could say, well, they allowed that rumor, you know, to the rumors to to run rampant. Because they probably felt that more people would tune into the show to see this person who wasn't going to be there. And then afterwards they could say, well, we never advertised her. You know, you can't accuse us of false advertising. We never came out and said specifically, you know, explicitly that, yes, Mercedes Monet, the former Sasha Banks, would be a part of this match. But I think they could have done more to dispel that notion um, and it was sadly, it was Tony Storm who took the brunt of it. But I think AEW did as well. And I think they really made themselves look kind of, I, 
to me, I just there were no winners in that match. No, I mean we, we've we've, we've seen it before. We've seen it before. I mean, WWE have done this a ton of times. Where when you advertise a mystery opponent or a mystery partner, it's just in in wrestling you're, you you go to the sort of big ideas of who it could be or what it could be. And I think the problem here was that they just, I th- you know, I'm sure in their mind they thought, well, Tony Storm is is one of our top women. She was just the champion. But I just don't think the fans saw her that way. So I think that the, the mistake was probably doing the mystery thing when you've got Sasha slash Mercedes. Because when it was announced, she hadn't turned up in New Japan yet. I think it was mid-December. They said there was going to be the match. But um, I always think in wrestling, if, if I was on a booking committee or I was in a creative team, and the idea was pitched in any company for a mystery partner or a mystery opponent, my first thing would be, are the people going to think it's someone else so that who we have in mind is going to be a disappointment? And that should always be the beginning of your idea. And if the if you think they are going to be a disappointment, then don't advertise it as a mystery. Exactly. You know? Just don't do it because you're creating you know, this false sense of, sense of expectation, aren't you? And this false hope that you're not going to be able to deliver on. And it means that next time you do this, and even when you've got a really good surprise or a really good outcome or whatever, people will be will be less inclined to believe you because, you know, you've, you've led them down the garden path before or cried wolf or, you know, you've just not been straight with them. Um, you know, you go back to Seth Rollins at WrestleMania. I mean, WWE never hinted that it was going to be Cody Rhodes. There was no hints dropped at all that it was going to be him. People thought it was going to be, but WWE didn't really lead them to that conclusion. It was, you know, the internet and lots of information out there. And people thought it was going to be him and it was. And it was, that was a huge, that was probably the best surprise of 2022, I think, in wrestling. I can't think of a better one than that. Yeah, yeah, um, no, 2021 would have been Punk and 2022 would have been Cody. Yeah. Yes. I mean, you know, the thing is, at least for Tony Storm, if we, to give her some, I'm trying to think of something nice to say, right? At least it wasn't the main event of No Way Out 1998. At <laughs> least it wasn't Savio Vega and the Brico music. <laughs> Crushing oh, our souls. There was that. There was that. But also, I mean, they let her down in the match as well. So it was Soraya and Tony Storm versus Britt Baker and Jamie Hayter. And there was a spot in the match. And they actually, Britt Baker and Jamie Hayter teamed up against the Renegades on Rampage. And Jamie Hayter did the same spot in that match. She's supposed to be a heel, right? And she did the double suplex reversal spot on a straight double suplex. One person suplexing two other people. And it's a babyface spot. And she was cheered when she did this against the Renegades. And then she did it against Soraya and Tony Storm. And everyone, not everyone, but lots of people in the venue cheered her. And then Tony Storm got up and attacked Jamie Hayter. And she was booed. <laughs> and it's just, well, you've just portrayed Jamie, your champion, as a babyface against the person who's supposed to be the babyface. You've made your babyface look weak. And now the fans are booing her because they want to boo her anyway, because she's seen as an inadequate replacement for the person that you allowed them to think was going to be in the match. So, I mean, it's just it's just AEW and Tony Khan. It's just another blunder, Kenny. <laughs> just another blunder by uh, by that guy. So, 
Well, at least at least at least they had Hangman Page beat uh, beat Mox on the show. At least there was some good stuff. Well, at least the best of seven series is over. But um, well, what about are we going to mention MGF and his and his uh, promo? I mean, that was a bit. (laughs) We're going back to the nineteen eighties. I mean, you're not a fan of not a fan of it. Well, I mean, I know MGF's act is cheap heat, but when you're going down that road. And it's got a sort of, you know, it's got that sort of connotation where it's like, you know, I just thought that was beneath him and beneath mainstream pro wrestling in 2023. That was beneath mainstream pro wrestling 20 years ago. I mean, we're still having, you know, the dregs of that, you know, racially motivated or things that have got slight, you know, uncomfortable sort of, you know, tinge to them. And you just think this is the cheapest of cheapy. And it just, at best, it shows a lack of imagination. And at worst, it just makes you feel kind of embarrassed to be a fan and just makes you feel like this should, pro wrestling should be better than this. And we've been trying to get away from that type of content that was rife in the 1980s. It was just normal then it was just you know it was just the way it was i'm not saying it was right but it was just something that was unfortunate part of the business in the 1980s and here we are in 2023 and i think pro wrestling shouldn't stoop to that level again what do you think kenny um i mean i i think there's i, I definitely see your point there was parts of it that i liked um but i do think there was a uh, there's problematic parts as well. Obviously, you know the. I think I think the thing with uh, Takashita is is that if he was presented as somebody who's on the show a lot and does a lot of stuff, it probably wouldn't be as bad. But I think that it's more when you've got someone who is not really getting a chance. Now, if this leads to something with them and he gets a really good TV match with MJF, then I think that it's maybe worth the worth the controversy. But I think you need to follow up on it and not in the the Brian Pillman way where he doesn't get anything out of it. So hopefully they follow up in uh, in a good way for for Takashita. But um let's move on to SmackDown from this past week. Um Gunter did the impossible Finn. He got a good match at a Braun Strowman. Incredible. I mean what I liked about this match was that Braun showed loads of vulnerability, which for him this must have been very difficult for him. To, I don't know whether it was difficult for him to grasp. I mean, but if you think of what he's done previously in wrestling, he's very, very seldom allowed himself to look this, I wouldn't say weak, but this human, I suppose is the phrase you would use, because he always done the monster gimmick. He's the monster of all monsters, after all. But it just felt to me like Braun was out there as a as a guy who could be hurt, and he was selling. And, you know, this was Braun's best match in... I don't know. I mean, I think this was, this was better than the Big Show matches. Probably better than Brock matches. I think the only matches he had that I think probably worked a little bit better were like was that Roman Reigns fast lane match that he had. But I think that's just because he was a hotter character at that point. Yeah, that's probably why. But I mean, you know, that's the only other match that you can really even put up against it and sort of argue. You know, everything else is kind of. De- you know this, and because when the match started, I was a bit, you know, not that, not that fussed. But then, 
you know, as time went on, I got more into it and more into it. And, you know, the thing is, they're, and he, Gunther beat him clean. So they are definitely, I still think this is leading to Gunther and Brock at WrestleMania. That is my, that is what I think the match is going to be. They're not having him beat Strowman so decisively and cleanly if he is not headed towards something. Yes, you are right. I've been predicting Gunter versus Les now for some time. Mm -hmm. And I'm convinced that they're going to have a meeting in the Rumble match. And there'll be a square off. Warrior Hogan level square (laughs) off. Will people be that excited? Apologize for the dated reference. Just been uh, having flashbacks to the 1980s. Um, So, yeah, I think it's going to be Gunter versus Lesnar at WrestleMania as well with some sort of interaction in the Royal Rumble match. But I, I like Strowman's performance here. I thought he did really well. I mean, to me, this was his best match ever. You know, the, the near falls were convincing. I mean, Gunter's just so damn good at wrestling. He is so good. He makes it everything work. He just knows how to put a match together with anyone. And he's just like, this guy is a genius in the ring. And it's not often I use that word to describe a pro wrestler, but nope. he, the fact that he could have a match of this caliber with Braun Strowman, who has done nothing that anyone would want to watch mostly once, let alone twice for a very, very long time, I think just speaks of Gunter's quality. But let's give Braun credit as well for going along with the match story. I mean, that must have been, I mean, that was, you know. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Pretty selfless of him to do what he did for Gunter here. I mean, real team player, real company guy. Because, I mean, Braun previously, a lot of people had complaints about him, not really putting people over and selling reluctantly. And he did everything that was asked of him here. So first race. Um, well, elsewhere on SmackDown, let's kind of whiz through some SmackDown and Raw stuff. Um, I do need, just need to say there was a backstage segment with Emma, Raquel Gonzalez, and Maxine Dupree and Liv Morgan. And yes. this segment came on. I looked at... Steve Gunn, and I could not tell you who Maxine Dupree was. Because she was in the context of standing with these female wrestlers, I just couldn't name her. And I wonder how many people watching it had no idea who she was, even though we've seen her on TV. And I think that kind of is a indictment. Sometimes they have a lot of women who look very similar. Um, and I think that Maxine Dupree is someone who just kind of looks like a lot of the female uh, 
backstage interviewers and announcers and stuff. So I just thought it was funny. I I could not have told you it was her if you had paid me. Um, well, but- I, I had to think twice about it. And the reason for that was I was thinking, well, they've never presented her as a wrestler. And as far as I know, I'm not sure if she's ever had a match in the WWE system. If she has, I've never seen it. So she was talking as if she would also enter the Royal Rumble match because they were saying to Liv Morgan, why do you want to enter the match at number one? This is crazy. That was basically what they were saying to her. Um, so I'm trying to... So she, I mean, well, she, on cage matches, though, that she's never had a match. Yeah, I, I don't think she has. Um, elsewhere on SmackDown, though, we had Bray Wyatt. And I've but got, I mean, I'd sooner see her in the Rumble than Tori Wilson or Kelly Kelly. That's true. That's true. <laughs> um, Bray Wyatt came out. I really like the theme tune. I really want to like it, but he's just back to talking absolute rubbish. None of it means anything. It's just, it's so boring now. You know, it's like, it's just, he's just shouting, it's like he's shouting his greatest hits quotes to us. Well, he, he definitely did that here. This was, the world's this was a medley, wasn't it? Yeah. It's like a <laughs> mega mix of the, the Bray Wyatt terminology. And, the thing is, I mean, I don't know how much of this is true, but I mean, the, the 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 apparent plan for WrestleMania is going to be Bray Wyatt versus Uncle Howdy. And wow. on one hand, you think, well, it's probably a good idea to keep him away from any of the top stars because he ruined most of them the last time. <laughs> but do you know what? I've got to say, even though I think he's just, none of it makes any sense and I don't understand it. The fact that Bray Wyatt has got himself a multi-million dollar deal to do, to just talk gibberish every week and not have to be in any physical peril. That is the sort of business acumen I could only dream of, Finn. I mean, it's the, it, I mean he's living the dream, isn't he? He really just... is. Taking them for everything they're worth. I mean, I think he's just, he's had like a few matches with Jinder and I think that's it. Oh, by the way, did you see Jinder return on New Year's Evil? He got a ginger chant. That's, he made a surprise appearance at New Year's Evil and fans were chanting, ginger, ginger. I mean, I don't think that's ever happened before. No, and I don't think it'll ever happen again. <laughs> but I'm with you on Bray. I mean, he did say that at Raw Rumble in his match with LA Knight, it would be his rebirth. And that when LA Knight arrived... Or when the match began, then LA Knight should run. So, as I've said previously, Kenny, you know, there's a lot riding on this match and it's got to be good because if it's not, I think that will be it. I think people will just be um, emotional separation, not separation, divorce Mm -hmm. between the audience and Bray if this match is not a hit, if it's not a success. So, it's up to him. It's up to, I think, I mean, I hope Knight isn't ruined by this because I think this guy's got so much to give this company. Um, But we'll have to wait and see. I mean, it's only a week on Saturday, Royal Rumble, Kenny, so it's not that much longer to wait for Bray White's big TV or televised comeback match. Yeah, we'll we'll see how it's going to go. Elsewhere on SmackDown, it, it did actually make me laugh because it was just so ridiculous. So they have this whole Bray White segment and then at the end, there's like an old like Wyatt family transition and it cuts 
And then the next thing you see is Kayla Braxton grinning like a Cheshire cat into the camera with her SmackDown microphone ready to do an interview. And she's just no-selling what we've just seen. I mean, what's what's going on? There's like 20 writers and nobody can go, you know, maybe right after Bray Wyatt's come out and talked utter shit for four minutes and then went into a creepy video transition that the next image we shouldn't see, not after a break, but one second later is Kayla Braxton completely no-selling what Wyatt what we just did. did. at that moment was Titus O'Neill. <laughs> Same expression he had after after the Firefly Funhouse yeah, match. <laughs> we did. Kayla needs to channel her inner Titus. Um, obviously, the the, the show long storyline was Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn were going to be facing off in the main event, and uh, Sami goes to speak to the Bloodline, and it's Paul Heyman, and he says, "You know, look, it's just me tonight. You know, uh, the Bloodline. We don't want to." take your moment from you you know we want to make sure that you know you you do this all by yourself you know and uh, and sammy's quite nervous but then he's like you know you text roman or you call him you tell him i'm gonna take care of it i'm gonna handle it and that's not a prediction that's a spoiler and then you know when kayla is no selling the wyatt thing she interviews sammy and kevin and they've got back and forth and you know, Sammy's trying to say they are my family, and Owens is trying to convince them they're not. Saying that they're using you, you know, they don't care about you. And Sammy's there. Well, you just don't get it, Kevin. You're jealous. I've got family behind me. What have you got? So yeah, it's I mean, but earlier was quite interesting when Paul Heyman told Sammy that he had a message from Roman Reigns, and the message was that Roman wanted you to do it by yourself. And Sammy at first like, oh no. And then it's like, don't worry, you know, I want to do it by myself. And then Sammy walked off and Paul Heyman pulled some strange expressions, didn't he? Like he was tiring of the Sammy Zane experiment. Yeah, as if he was maybe totally irritated by the whole thing or or just wanted them to get it over with, to the bloodline to just beat him up and just eject him. Maybe that's what he was communicating through his facials. Well, and it, it led us to the main event where we've got Owens and Zayn. And I mean, this wasn't Battleground 2016 levels of good, but it was a very good match. Um, and in the end, Sammy's setting up for the Huluva kick, so you kind of think he's got it taken care of. And the Usos and Solo jump in, they jump Kevin Owens. And Sammy's very, you know, up, you can tell he's upset because he kind of had this one and they've jumped in. and, and then He was cheated. Yeah, he feels cheated because he could, he was about to do exactly what he said he was going to do. And then the Usos are like, no, no, you did a good job. You know, we're here to help. And then, you know, they're battering Kevin Owens on the outside. And Solo does this great run off the barricade onto the timekeeper's table. and Sammy channeling Umaga versus yeah. John Cena. A very good callback to Royal Rumble 2007. Um, and, then, but, and then there was the great kind of light at the end because so all the bloodline are standing over the broken announce table with a in the one finger up, and there's a very subtle Kevin Owens holding on to Sami Zayn's boot. So, um, I, really, again, just great, great stuff with this this storyline, keeping it going. The fact they can keep it going as well as they can with Roman not around very often, it actually feels like Roman's around all the time. Yeah, even though he's not, which is a real testament to the the way they're telling this story. So, I I really enjoyed it. What did you think? 
Yeah, really good. I mean, I like the fact that there was there was no finish. I thought, well, Kevin Owens can't lose because he's facing. By the way, it's going to be the Owens Roman Reigns contract signing this Friday, isn't it, on SmackDown? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, this Friday on SmackDown. That's right. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, it, I mean, I really enjoyed the match. I thought it was very well done. The audience. Because of the storyline support, this has been going on so long, and it's all the pedigree of them and the relationship and all this type of thing. It takes years to get to this point with two characters that people care about enough and are aware of their intertwined history for things to work as well as this. But that's, you know, what long-term story. And yeah, I thought Zayn was was really good here. He was just like, well, normally he's the one who's backpedaling or retreating or he's the one who's, you know, trying to curry favour with the other members of the bloodline. And here he was the one, he was the one that was angry with them. You know, what are you doing? You know, you've ruined this. You know, you've made a mess of this. I had it under control. What are you doing coming in and spoiling my moment? Um, So, I mean, I think it's all part of the story of, of that Sammy's not really in control here and everything is not as he thinks it is, which we know is what's going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Kevin Owens knows that's what's going on. And, you know, Jimmy and Jane Solo, obviously they know as well, but they're not letting on to Sammy that this is all part of some conspiracy to take him down. So I think it's going to make even more sense when it does finally happen, you know, when that big turn occurs. So it doesn't feel like it's going to be that far away. I mean, maybe I've said it could be the uh, post-Rumble Raw where they do the turn. If not then, maybe the week after. But, I mean, they're going to have to get the wheels in motion because when's Elimination Chamber? Is that Feb 20? I think it's February the 18th. 18th, yeah. So that's only three weeks after Rumble, isn't it? Well, remember, next week on the Raw 30th anniversary, we've got all the generations of the bloodline for a ceremony. So maybe there, maybe something starts there. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Because, I mean, presumably Roman will introduce Sammy to the other members um, of the bloodline of the family. And, you know, there's going to be, you know, are they going to accept him? Are they going to hug him? You know, are they going to shun him? You know, how is Sammy... Sammy How's Sammy going to cope with all that? And so I think that's going to be a big moment in it. But I don't think anything's going to happen until after the Rumble. But as, you say, as I said, it's only three weeks between Rumble and Elimination Chamber. And we're all fairly sure that Sammy is going to play a big part in the Elimination Chamber event. So, yeah, it's all coming up, Kenny. It's fast approaching these big events that they've been building to for well over six months now isn't it yeah over six months uh well let's leave that into raw uh raw opened with a segment that i'm kind of torn on because i thought the performances were good but it was the the bloodline and the the judgment day who are both heel factions and they're doing this segment back and forth which was very good and they all performed it really well especially with solo and rhea ripley having the kind of face off and stuff but there's something about being the two heel factions that kind of feels like I'm not too sure if this is what you want to do when you know fairly soon 
you want the Usos to be the heels in this Owens and Zayn thing. You want Dom to be the heel against Rey Mysterio. Um, I think I think the match itself might struggle reaction wise because I just don't know what people are gonna what way people are gonna go for it. But um, I did think Dom's line about uh, the Usos not being able to handle it in the pen was very funny. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they're saying, can you smell that? Can you smell that, um, um, Finn? I can, we can smell it. Dom's saying, we can smell the fear from the bloodline. So that was quite amusing. And um, But, I mean, Jimmy and Jay now have got to the point where, you know, the, the, their resistance to cracking up, you know, it's strong, isn't it? It's strong. They can cope. You know, they've got through the mm-hmm. Sammy thing. Well, obviously, Jay did crack up quite a few times during that, but he wasn't going to crack up at, at something, you know, at that level. So so that was really funny that they were talking that up and this is leading to a to a match between them. And again, but again, also, we talked about this, I think, last week, Kenny. They were just referring to the Raw Tag Team Championship, not to both sets of belts, just the Raw belts. That's yes, was it. So apparently what's going to be happening is, because we on SmackDown there was a, a segment with uh, Drew McIntyre and Sheamus, so there's going to be a tournament to determine who faces the Usos for the SmackDown tag team titles. Yeah. you're the judgment they're facing for the Raw tag team titles. So it feels like the, the champions are going to be defending belts, the, the pairs of belts separately um, for the next while. So um, that seems to be the direction they're going to go. Um, so we won't be getting unified tag champs much longer. Well, you would think so, but it's it's still hard. I mean, because Drew and Sheamus are going to face the Viking Raiders, aren't they, in the first round of the tournament? That's going to be yes. this Friday. You do uh, wonder how many rounds that tournament's going to have. Yeah, well, there aren't that many teams out there on SmackDown, as we know. I mean, we don't we don't really need Hit Row to be in the tournament, you know. Not really, no. <laughs> um, so we had um, Dominic and Finn Balor and Damian Priest, and they're seeking the Raw Tag Team belts. So that's the match that's going to happen. So, yeah, it does feel like, I don't know, it's strange because I, it's hard for me to believe that Jimmy and Jay are going to drop one of these championships before the big match against Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, because that, to me, would diminish the importance of the match. Yeah, that's it, going to be the match. Yeah, sure. exactly. I mean, that's what we think is going to be one of the big matches at WrestleMania. It does seem logical after everything that has happened and, you know, the Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn thing, and it's clear that there's still, you know, some uh, fondness between them there, you know, because the, it's even though it's sort of been buried by what's going on now because of their shared history, we know at some point they're going to reconcile so, yeah, it is sort of odd that they're, they're just going to be defending them. But maybe it's not odd. You know, maybe it's like, well, let's defend the Raw belts against guys on Raw and let's defend the SmackDown belts against people who are on SmackDown. So, I mean, maybe it makes sense. To, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, we'll, we'll see how the, the, it pans out. Um, but, yeah, we also um, got Bailey and Becky Lynch having a segment where they kind of went over their history together. And it ends in Becky kind of uh, challenging Bailey to a steel cage match next week in the 30th anniversary of Raw, which Bailey accepted. This actually, to me, felt like the most uh, effective Bailey, maybe since she's come back. Um, it felt like there was actually some meat on the bone here of what she was talking about, what she was into with Becky. So uh, I liked this. This felt like a, 
um, not a full return to form for Bailey, but definitely more up the way up the alley that she should be going, rather than kind of what we've seen so far. What did you think? Yeah, I think so. I mean, Becky Lynch referred to Bailey as a dopey Karen, dopey Karen looking fool, and then she repeated the Karen thing. It's like WWE is just suddenly aware of the Karen, you know, the 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 Karen phenomenon, isn't it? So they just <laughs> He just milked it for all it was worth here, you know, with this Becky Lynch promo on Bailey. So Bailey came out and said, "My name's not Karen." So they have uh, you heard about? Have you very quick? Have you heard about the restaurants in the UK, the Karen restaurants? Yes, I have. Yeah, my cousin has been to one of them. She told me about them, and I looked up a video on YouTube and watched it. And I don't know whether I don't think I could go to one, Kenny. I just no. think it. I just think, and, and I imagine that one time as a novelty it would be quite funny. But you need me in the right frame of mind, right? <laughs> for for that to be something that you, because I feel like eventually you just snap, you know. Yeah, or you just get bored of it, or you you know you start being on because it's all supposed to be good humoured, isn't it? And everyone's in on the joke before you go in. But they do, from what I've seen, they do have all the lots of signs up. So it's not like you could accidentally walk in and and get caught unawares by the you know the the whole theme of this restaurant, which is that the server pretends to be a Karen and is really offensive to you. That's the whole concept <laughs> of it, isn't it? Um, but yeah, so Becky came out and it ended up uh, leading to a challenge from Lynch to Bailey, and Bailey agreed. And then Lynch said, "What about a cage match?" And Bailey was hesitant, but in the end, she did agree to the match because the whole idea of cage matches is, is there's no interference, but there is always interference in cage matches. So, yeah. um, but this feels like this will be the final match in the feud, I would think. And probably Lynch is going to score the win because Bailey scored that win a few weeks ago, didn't she? Which is a big, big win for her. Yeah. So yeah. I'm not really sure. Well, I guess it's a pre-rumble match, isn't it? That's what it is. So yeah, even good for them. It's Raw 30 with all the, you know, the veterans and the legends who are going to be on the show. These programs always draw big numbers. So lots of people will be watching. So good for them. And then the, the main event of the show, it was all building to the six-man elimination match for a shot of the US title next week. And it was uh, Seth Rollins, The Miz, Dolph Ziggler. Baron Corbin, Finn Balor, and Bobby Lashley. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, the, the, apart from the fact that Dolph Ziggler and Baron Corbin were in it, it's pretty good. You know, I feel like we've we've seen quite a lot of combinations of these guys have matches um, over the last kind of 12 months, but um, I guess maybe they put Ziggler and Corbin in there just to give you some people to beat. But um, Lashley gets the win in the end with the, when MVP is, is there. And he ends up getting on the apron because it comes down to Rollins and Lashley and MVP gets in the apron, Rollins super kicks him and that allows Lashley the chance to spear Rollins and get the win. So it's Lashley and Theory next week for the US title on the Raw 30th anniversary. What did you make of the main event? And uh, I mean, it seems like the, the the new heart business we were talking about last week, we might be getting it. Well, possibly, but can I just say here, there was a match earlier on Raw between the Street Profits and Shelton Benjamin and Cedric Alexander, uh-huh. MVP was at ringside. Street Profits scored the win. Could it be 
that the Street Profits replaced Shelton and Cedric um, in the all, not all new, but mostly new or partly new Hurt business. Yeah. Or, because also uh, MVP had Omas uh, on this show as well. Yeah. Um, but hopefully, you know, it's going to be a ruse and the and Omas will be sent out to pasture um, for the new Hurt business. But, um I mean, I think Lashley is US champ with MVP in a new heart business. I mean, I, I definitely think the Street Profits would be a good shout in that. Um, I think that could be a really interesting proposition. I mean, what else are the Street Profits doing? You know, well, it, well, exactly. And it doesn't. I mean, they were really hot last year, last summer, um, in the feud with Jimmy and Jay, um, and then you know it just didn't really work at SummerSlam, and the Jeff Jarrett didn't really work there either. And um, then Montez Ford suffered the injury and he suffered a lot of losses. And they've been fighting to try and regain that level of popularity and that level of momentum and haven't really um, attained it yet. So I think, yeah, maybe a different direction in the Hurt business will be good for them. Um, But Austin Theory was at ringside. He was doing commentary on the match. I thought it was really good on commentary. Just talking about, oh, some of these people... You know, I feel like I've been I was watching them when I was a kid. You know, these are all names from my childhood. And I imagine <laughs> some of the people in the match weren't too pleased about that or wouldn't have been pleased about that when they were told about it lately uh, later. <laughs> of course he's right, because Lashley's what's he, 44 now, I think he is. I mean, I Dolph Ziggler Dolph Ziggler's been in WWE since 2006, was it? The uh, Spirit Squad, I think it was. Yeah, was I think it? I think he signed in 05 and then but, was Oh, six was when we first saw him. But, uh, Lashley's 46. 46. I mean, Seth Rollins been there over 10 years now. Um, you know, Finn Balor's, he's a veteran as well. Um, so, I mean, nothing he said. I mean, he, he was he was absolutely right about it, of course. Um, I mean, the Miz is in his 40s as well. He was the first eliminated. I mean, this match actually really did work very well. And... Um, you know, even though the Miz and Dolph Ziggler and Baron Corbin were in it, you know, like half the match were basically people that no one's that interested in, in anymore. It was a big success, I felt. And Lashley won in the end. He last uh, pinned Rollins. And um, yeah, it feels like there's interest in Lashley versus Theory. They're going to have a title match next week on Raw 30. And likewise, with my comments about Becky Lynch versus Bailey in the cage, this is a match that you know lots of people will be watching because these shows always do well because of the the nostalgia um, aspect. Um, but I don't think Theory's going to lose. I think Theory's going to retain. I think he's going to retain all the way to WrestleMania, Kenny. Till he till he it runs into the big JC and the big bald spot. Um, but, yeah, uh... I think. I mean, it should be a good match. Yeah. And maybe, you know, maybe will Lesnar potentially return on Raw 30? You would think so. I mean, you you know, he's going to be at Rumble. We should mention Cody Rhodes' return video was announced that he's going to be returning at the Rumble, so that that would be good. Um, we all knew it was coming, but um, yeah, there's, I mean, next week when we chat, we'll be, we'll be able to chat about Raw 30 um, and the latest happenings on the road to the Royal Rumble, so things yeah. should get pretty interesting now. Uh because as soon as you got the Rumble, you know, then then the year starts. You've got Rumble, you've got Chamber, you've got Revolution for AEW, you've got WrestleMania. Things really start to get going once we get to the Rumble. So it'll be good to kind of 
get back to a bit of normality and be talking about the wrestling in the ring, hopefully, rather than the crazy old bastard right behind it. <laughs> that other drama, yeah. So, I mean, I'm really hoping, you know, I'm doing the Royal Rumble review in Inside the Ropes magazine, and I've already, if Cody Rhodes wins the Rumble, Kenny, I've already got my title worked out for the article. I've already got it worked out. So, Cody, you better win that match. <laughs> we'll keep everything crossed. Well, listen, that's all the time we've got for today. We hope that you will uh, uh, give into the Ropes Magazine a try. Inside the Ropes Magazine.com, you can pre order the, the new issue, um, which is out next week. And, um, you know, you can get back issues on there. We encourage you to check it out. A lot of people say that once they've checked the magazine out, they really enjoy it. Uh, lots of varied content in there, retro stuff, current day stuff, thought-provoking articles, um, interviews, loads and loads of stuff to be getting on with. So I hope you'll give it a try. And um, if you enjoy Finn and I podcasting, Patreon is the way to keep that happening. Patreon.com forward slash Inside the Ropes. Before you know it, we'll be reviewing the 2003 Royal Rumble with Sandra. Um, if she makes it to the Royal Rumble before the Triple H... Scott Steiner feud finishes her off beforehand. So we'll see if she can keep it together. Um, but yeah, we'll look forward to it. So Finn, I hope you enjoy the your week and I'll look forward to us chatting again on Thursday for Power Slam. Yes, that's it, yes. And, um, you know, it'll be hopefully wrestling rather than the backstage stuff that's going to dominate our conversations. But we will, we shall see. And, you know, we're here, we are flexible. We're versatile, Kenny. We can do it all on this podcast. And we're here to tackle anything that happens in wrestling. So uh, I'm, I, I'm sure 2023 will not be a dull year. No, year. it's already been a, a very eventful year. And what is it, February, uh, January 17th? It feels like February already. <laughs> oh, <laughs> God. It almost feels like April. You know, some people say, oh, you know, did the world end in 2012 and we're just living in the vortex of what's left? It sometimes feels like it. But yes. Anyway, yeah. listen, hope you enjoy your week, everybody. Thank you for all your support, and we'll talk to you soon. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rose, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
They have buttery soft cashmere sweaters starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.